This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com. Zealand. Welcome to another roundup of Neville Rides Boundaries coming to you from Access Radio Taranaki, Coast Access Radio, Radio Hawks Bay, Arrow Radio Masterton, and I'm Neville Wallace broadcasting from Hara. And I trust that you all enjoyed the weather over the Labour weekend holiday. On my roundup this morning, I have Louise Doyer and Pierre Delluin. They are two French exchange students, which I will tell you more about shortly. Barbara Carrigo returns with more news from the regions, followed by Philip Duncan from weatherwatch.co.nz. Louise Doyer and Pierre Dallouin are two French exchange students. Louise was learning about farming in New Zealand under the guidance of Dr Jacqueline Roth in the Waikato, and Pierre was away up near Wangarei working on a large dairy farm. They were assisted with this interview with me by Professor Jacqueline Roth. Well, my guests today are two French exchange students who are currently staying with Dr Jacqueline Roth up in the Waikato. Bonjour, Mademoiselle Louise, and bonjour, Monsieur Pierre. How are you both? Bonjour. Bonjour. Very good. Louise, would you like to explain to our listeners what part of France you come from? Um, I come from uh, of the north of the France, between uh, the Belgium yeah. and the Paris. Yeah. And uh, is that area noted for anything? Do they grow good grapes and wine up there? No. No. <laughs> where do you, where do you? Oh. Pierre comes from. I come from the east of France, and I just moved to the north for studying. Yeah. But I uh, come from the east of France. So, the studying is the next topic then, Neville, isn't it? Yes, and what, well, Pierre, what brought you to New Zealand, and what have you been doing since you've got here? Uh, we're actually studying in an engineering school in agriculture, and uh, during our second year of studying, we have to choose a country to to live abroad and to work in, and we both will always choose New Zealand Good. for this experience. And what brings you to New Zealand, Louise? Yeah, it's the studying, isn't it, Louise? Mm-hmm. Yes. So you're doing, part of this is your degree. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to write a report when you go back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you chose New Zealand because? It's a beautiful country and uh, a very nice uh, dairy farm and very big uh, than uh, in France. So there we are, Neville. They both heard about agriculture in their school and they decided New Zealand, that's New Zealand agriculture, and they've both been working on dairying. But you've just heard Louise saying the farm here is much bigger than anything that that she's been used to and um, Pierre is nodding his head as well. So 
What's it? Well, you've sort of covered the difference between French farming and Kiwi way of farming. How much travelling have you been able to do since you've got to New Zealand, Pierre and Louise? I didn't travel a lot for the moment, just moving sometimes to Auckland. Yeah. Um, to Auckland and to and at the beach first. We went to Taranga today and, uh, yeah, I went to Taranga today with Louise, but she went already to Taranga a few weeks ago. So what is the plan? It's the plans ahead, Neville, that are really good because they've both finished their, their work experience and so now they're going to explore the country. So what's on tomorrow? Well, going to Topo for hiking and just discovering the different landscapes there. And uh, we'll probably also go to Rotoria to... <laughs> to return to discover the, um, the hot... Uh, yeah, that's it. Hot yeah. The hot water, the bubbling mud. I want them to see the bubbling mud. Yeah, they'll and be, then... They'll be used to that other mud, though, won't they? <laughs> no, we haven't had too much. It's called la boue in French. We haven't had too much here. Have you had much up in um, Northland? Not too much. See, it's been... Yeah, there's been more here than in Northland. But what's the big plan for Thursday? On Thursday, we're going to take the train from Hamilton to Wellington. And they'll go over the spiral. Really? The, yeah, the railroad spiral, I think. I'm pretty sure. So that's really exciting. And then... Yeah, absolutely. I, I've, all, I've heard a lot about uh, the train uh, of New Zealand and the different landscape we're going to, to go through, so... It's just going to be amazing. And we'll then just arrive in Wellington and take the ferry to Pixon to join the South Islands. Yeah. So you're going on the train, on the... On the ferry, yeah. Yeah, ferry, and then joining the train again? Uh, in Pixon? Yeah. We're going to take a bus from Pixon to Christchurch. Right, that was a beautiful trip. Yeah, yeah. indeed. And we'll take finally uh, a van at Christchurch ah. for a few days. Lovely. And traveling a uh, part of the South Island. There. Now, it's Jack, going to be a whirlwind trip. Yeah. Jack, well, in this place, New Zealand, is known as the Shaky Isles, and we've had a couple yeah. of good earthquakes lately, as Louise or Pierre experienced those earthquakes. No, well, we didn't in Hamilton. But, I mean, in Waikato, we're surrounded by peat country, so they get dampened down. It's not like being in the Manawatu or where you are in Taranaki. Have you felt an earthquake, Pierre? Sorry. The earthquake. Nope. No, no, they haven't. Maybe when they're in Wellington. Yeah. Or even in the South Island, they might feel it. If they're just, I've certainly been showing Louise on Geonet. Mm. And she was quite impressed by the number of them because they're quite scary and quite interesting. So they've done some, they're about to do big exploration. But I know that there are some things they're looking forward to when they get back, Neville. I'm pretty sure they'll have a lot of memories. What sort of, uh, well, it's a bit uh, early premature to ask them what sort of memories they will have of New Zealand, but uh, we could ask them what they. What's standing out at the moment, Jacqueline? So, you're thinking, what are the highlights 
of course, we haven't got to the South Island, no. which is a high or the Rairimu spiral, which is extraordinary. Since the beginning of uh, our coming in, in New Zealand, uh, on myself, the biggest island was probably the the game we oh, went, yes. the Oba game against the Wallabies, and at the end of September, that was a huge experience and it's just incredible. Neville, they both went up to the All Black game yep. against the Wallabies. And this was Pierre's present to Louise because she was 20. Well, she had her birthday here. And he sent me a message saying, do you think it will be possible to uh, for Louise to have that weekend off so that we can go to the game? And he's <laughs> saying it was a big highlight. And, it well, they saw the hucker. We've been making Louise watch the huckers and all the games. She's becoming quite, you know, interested in rugby. <laughs> oh. Oh. And a highlight, highlight for Louise... Uh, maybe the same like uh, yeah, like Pierre. The match of the All Blacks was very very impressive, and uh, I just uh, hope my future trip it's a beautiful memories. Right, <laughs> and you're going back, and you're looking forward to what when you go back to France? Just yeah. Just uh, see my family and uh, eat uh, work left. So, Louise, I asked if Louise was missing anything because we've been having a lot of dinners, and she said raclette. So you'd like to explain what raclette is? It's Well, it's sort of like the French version of fondue. We would know it as maybe fondue, but there's a lot of charcuterie, that is the dried and the meats that get dipped in it. So her mother is going to make it for when she gets back. Yeah, what are you looking forward to? Uh, probably just going back to my student life, like uh, oh. <laughs> not really working, but uh, mostly uh, just seeing my friends and having a good time uh, with them. Not having to get up at 5 a.m., Neville, I think, is the big message. <laughs> They've been doing incredibly well. I think for 20 and 21-year-olds, they've done very, very well, Jack. Well, give them a pat on the back, both of them. <laughs> will do. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Louise and Pierre, and safe travels home, or merci, Louise and Pierre. Bon voyage. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, when Pierre tells us about the size of dairy farms in France, you can see why they come to New Zealand to learn more about dairy farming. Now, let's hear more from Barbara Kuriger about farming technology relating to cows, collars and mating, as well as food and energy security issues. Good morning, Barbara Kuriger. Is there a good frost at your place this morning like there is here? Good morning, Neville. No, actually there's not. It's a bit close to the coast yeah. and uh, we very seldom ever see a frost here, but um, it's actually a beautiful day. I haven't yet, being early in the morning, I haven't actually stepped outside yet, but um, it's very seldom would ever frost up here, although I did notice yesterday, while it looked like a nice day outside, as soon as you stepped out, there was a real bite in the wind. So, you know, typical Labour weekend, I can remember yep. going back... Uh, when we had a fireplace and when I was living on the farm uh, full-time, uh, we never, ever cleaned out the fireplace until after Labor Weekend because we always knew there was the potential that we were going to have a bit of cold weather. Um, so, and, you know, it's, it's actually quite beautiful, but it is nippy. 
Um, so, you know, today i just reflecting on uh, some of the angst that's out there at the moment um, around emissions and regulations. And, you know, we've seen a, a recent protest uh, with Groundswell. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of uncertainty out there, uh, a lot of things driving at farmers back. Um, you know, I just think there's too much coming all at once. And I, um, I just wanted to give people a bit of hope at the moment. There is, um, you know, some technology on the horizon. But I think the other thing I just wanted to mention before I go into that is that people talk a lot about food security and food production and the Paris Agreement. And the Paris Agreement doesn't target food production per se, but it does talk about food security. And I guess across the world, over the course of 2022, we've seen some pretty horrific events. So first place to look is Ukraine. Uh, Russia and Ukraine actually are the food bowl for 30% of the wheat in this world. Uh, they also grow a lot of things like um, canola, you know, products for the canola and things that we use. And uh, I guess when you think about that, a lot of that goes into Africa and food security does become an issue. I think you have to double it up alongside energy security as well because, you know, we've seen a lot of things going on with the gas uh, during the process of the war. Um, and, of course, winter's coming on over there. So while we're all ticking along nicely on this in this world with... Uh, you know, all of you of how we're going to fix the environment, there are some things going on in the background that are quite a threat to what we might be able to do. So at some point I imagine, well, we won't, uh, the world won't back off this, but there is going to need a bit of a, a correction to it all just to make sure that we've got the targets landed in the right place given the disruption that we've had uh, to where we're heading. So um, in terms of technology, I mean, there's some pretty amazing things starting to develop on the horizon. And, um, you know, I think we need to put some more good research and development uh, time and effort and money into some of these things because I am a huge believer farming has always solved its problems uh, and, and growers and farmers alike will be always looking for new technologies. And so one of the ones that sort of springs to mind is you know, some of the technology around cows um, with collars. Uh, and other uh, electronic technology. So if you think about products like that, the cow collars, where, um, you know, you no longer have to um, tail paint your cows for mating. Uh, you no longer have to draft or know exactly which cows are going to calve tomorrow in terms of the spring them all, but we'll actually bring them out. Uh, we'll identify them and take them out for you. Uh, and when it comes to mating, they have little flashing lights on their collars, and so you know exactly where they are. And after the AB technician's been, you just tick off each one and say, yep, that one's been mated. Um, and But I think the big bonus with that as well, and one of the things that we're noticing is that when you can put up virtual fences, you can be far more efficient with your pasture. And so, you know, it's actually making uh, more uh, productivity, um, less substitution and waste of pastures. So, you know, there's a lot going on with some of that technology with animals. I um, also am just watching some of the products that are out there reducing methane emissions from... Um, 
from not just uh, effluent farm ponds, but also from treatment plants and cities, because for too long we sort of had this urban-rural divide thing going on, which actually isn't real. Um, it's only the conversations that we have that link it all up realise we've actually got some of the same problems. I mean, you know, waterways are one thing in rural areas, and uh, beaches in Auckland are a problem as well. So actually collectively solving the issues is going to be a great way to do it. So there are products now that are reducing those methane emissions for both uh, rural and urban, uh, things that you can add to those um, those ponds and plants that will um, help us on our way through this. And don't forget also that everyone who eats uh, can contribute to lowering emissions because food waste, if it was a country, would be the third our biggest country in the world in terms of methane emissions and so that's a massive problem alongside the fact that the affordability of it it's so much point buying food that you're then going to throw away to cause a methane problem with. so your listeners might want to think about that um, in a bit of detail around their own household situations as we all need to I think there's a couple of other issues uh, and I really want to see some more science around sequestration um, not just of our Riparian uh, and sheltered milk planting, and the little box that we have on our farm, which now the technology satellite from space can actually look at all that from above and aggregate it. So, you know, there's, there's all of those things going on. I mean, I think about the soil, and I reckon we're really undercooked and underdone on the science around sequestration in the soils. And there's a big uh, focus. Uh, with some teams at the moment on the biology that goes on in the soil. Uh, and one of the, you know, we often think about um, uh, solutions being created in labs or whatever, but the thing that's coming back more and more often uh, is dung beetles and the way they distribute the dung around the soil and keep the biology going. And, you know, they all live in this ecosystem with all the other good biology in the soil. So, you know, um, I, I live in hope. And I know that we're going to solve our problems without having to uh, devastate our agricultural and horticultural um, organisations, farmers, systems, and um, I guess never look who we are, and we always will be, food producers. Well, thank you, Barbara, and that was good food for thought. Philip Duncan tells us about egg festive greymouth and the frost and fog forecast that Weatherwatch has developed for the farming fraternity. Well, good morning, Philip. Was the trip down south a good break away from regular work? Oh, yeah. Hello, Neville. Absolutely it was. Went down to Agfest in Greymouth. Uh, the weather was absolutely beautiful, sunny and warm. Uh, the people were the same. They were sunny and warm as well. It was just such a good event. And, you know, it's, I, I like going, I like, you know, the, the Agfests and field days and things like that. But compared to the Mystery Creek one, um, this one's just such a breeze to get in and out of. You know, it's just such a nice event. It's such a great location held at Greymouth Airport right on the coast there. With, you can actually hear the waves crashing. So it was just a really cool event in the, in, in the farming community that I met in the agricultural community. Um, certainly a bit stressed out with the government at the moment, but uh, apart from that, we're in very good spirits. They're, they're happy with what the weather's been giving them this year, although um, spring may not be quite as as uh, positive as they were wanting. But overall, most of them are, are actually quite happy, which was really good to see as well. 
Yes, and uh, they were probably chatting a little bit, a little bit about the emissions and groundswell, no doubt. But uh, Philip, uh, a blueberry crop was uh, decimated up your way. Now, when I looked at the YouTube presentation this morning, you tell me that you've got a frost alarm. Is this one? Yeah, so at, um, at Rural Weather, we've built a uh, the New Zealand Frost Forecaster. We've got both the New Zealand Frost Forecaster and the New Zealand Fog Forecaster, and and they are hyper-local. So it takes the, the weather data that's already out there that we've got, and then we make it into this product, so it's it's helpful. You don't have to go and look for the data. We've made something that will just highlight it for you. So it's really useful when we've got these little cold events that we get in spring that might only last one night, but you have that chance of getting down into the frost territory. So if you go to ruralweather.co.nz, you can see it right at the top of the page. One of the big buttons is a frost forecaster. The other the other tool we've got, and one day we will merge these, is if you go to WeatherWatch, our other website, um, there under the maps uh, section, and temperatures, you'll find our frost maps. And so they cover uh, the frost outlook for the whole country. So at a glance, you can see the areas that will be zero and below and the areas that will be two degrees down to zero. So it gives you the sort of a frost warning and those that are on the edges of the frost warning. And so that's another product we've got. Both of those are completely free to access and to view at the moment, um, and they have been for the last couple of years. So that, that's, that's there because... You often hear in the news that a frost is coming and then it's hard to know whether or not that might be your house. So our idea is to help people out. So your orchard, your farm, you know what's coming. And that news about the blueberries is very, very, uh, it's devastating really. And I know that my mother will be disappointed at Christmas time um, without the blueberries or for breakfast coming up in summer. Uh, but, you know, hopefully in the future, there's a way that we can tie together the frost forecaster we've got at Rural Weather, because we can do that and in, 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 in alerts on it, but also have the industries work out, well, if you're given a warning, what do you do about it? Because some of them have helicopters and some of them have fans, but there must be other technology that we can apply um, out there as well. Simple, you know, just think about your home garden where we throw a blanket or a cloth over something. So that's, that's the sort of technology. Uh, we've got this alerting technology. We can find a way to work with the industry. Hopefully in the future, we won't have to worry so much about blueberries being wiped out due to a frost. Well, that's very informative. And thank you, Philip Duncan. And listeners, you can always catch up with Philip Duncan on YouTube every day. So well done. Thank you, Philip. All good. No worries at all. Well, that's all I have time for today. But before I sign off, perhaps we could finish today's show with Let Us Know. So join me next week when we learn more about rural New Zealand. Thanks to Evie, my producer, Catch you next week. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Man, it doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought me some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight How I'll hate going out in the storm But if you really hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm And the fire is slowly dying And my dear, we're still goodbye 
But as long as you'd love me so Let it snow, let it snow and snow Finally kiss goodnight How I'll hate going out in the storm But if you really grab me tight All the way home I'll be warm Oh, the fire is slowly dying And my dear, we're still goodbye But as long as you love me so Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.